today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Despite all that takes place on the earth through these prophecies, all the events we read of today in newspapers and we see on televisions, as exciting or saddening as these things are, they all somehow relate to that central throne from which God rules his universe. We must never forget that behind all human events is the government of God, the government of God. Above all things, we go into heaven and think, oh, you know, I want to see Aunt Martha. I want to, I want to see uh, so-and-so. I want to see so Well, the first thing we're going to see, the first thing that's going to catch our eyes is that throne. Do you ever stop to think that everything that is happening around us is orchestrated by the Lord? No, He isn't causing all of the evil or harmful things to happen, but He does use them to accomplish His good work. He allows that which He hates to accomplish that which He loves. Pastor David is reminding us today to keep Jesus as the center of our lives. We can get caught up in current events and all the evils in the world, but we need to keep in mind that the Lord is at work in spite of it all. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 4 with today's edition of The Open Word. Why don't we read anything else about the church until the marriage supper? And where is the church during the pour out, pouring out of all of this wrath? There's one other thing that's interesting to note. John says, immediately I was in the spirit. Now, wait a minute, John. You told us in chapter 1 that you were already in the spirit. So, like, by the time you got to chapter 3, you fell out of the spirit? So now you got to get back in the Spirit, or what is going on? I was in the Spirit, he says, in chapter 1, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I believe, personally, that this is just a further clarification of what the Apostle Paul speaks to us about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. I want you to turn there, because I want you to see it. It may be a very familiar verse to you, but I want you to see again in the context of what Paul is writing and what he is writing about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and he is speaking about, at this point, the the resurrection of the body and, and again, what happens with us. I'm going to start in verse 35. Verse 35, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writes here, he says, And someone will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Now, what he's speaking about is, again, at the end of the times, you know, when we're raised up. Well, what happens? What happens if uh, I, I was blown apart uh, in, in a war situation and my, my body was scattered over acres of land? What happens if 
if I decide to be cremated and have my ashes sprinkled over the Grand Canyon, well, you probably get arrested. But uh, if, if you just <laughs> spread your ashes, what what happens to that? I mean, these, these are honest questions that I get as a pastor. Is it okay to get cremated? What happens, you know, if somebody, you know, uh, how does that work? Paul answers this very clearly here. He says, some of them say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Paul just simply states, foolish ones. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. Now, you guys, most of you know that we garden and we do vegetable gardens. And a few weeks ago, now my garden's not nearly as green and lush as Brian and Maria's, but... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had some uh, corn that I, uh, seeds that I, or kernels that I'd bought. Put them in uh, some water, let them soak a little bit, planted them, and you know what? Wow! Wouldn't you know it? It started growing, but it doesn't look anything like what I planted. Totally different. That seed actually kind of dissolved away, and from that seed, something else was created. That's what Paul is saying here, verse thirty-nine. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men. And there's another flesh of animals and another of fish and another of birds. So that does away with evolution. But uh, verse 40, there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. By the way, in case you were wondering, we are terrestrial, okay? But uh, go ahead. The, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star even in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, but there's also a spiritual body. And so it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first but the natural, and then afterwards, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth. He was made of the dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. That's you and me. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Okay, now we're at the verse I want you to see. Verse 50. Now this I say, brother. Oh, I had to give you the running start. Okay. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment immediately. In that twinkling of an eye, at the last, what? Trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that's written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? I'll finish it up. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The main thing I want you to see in all of that is that corruption cannot inherit incorruption. John I believe, at this point in time, was literally transformed and brought to the heavens. I believe that it was an actual event that took place with his physical body. Because, again, he says, I was, again, this, this event that suddenly I was in the spirit and I was there. He says, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. I believe that John was physically transformed in order to be brought in to heaven. Now, Paul speaks of a similar time in his life. In his own life, where perhaps it's a very, very similar type of experience. Uh, you, you can uh, turn to Second Corinthians chapter 12 if you want to look at it and mark it. I'm just going to read a couple of verses there. Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, and then Paul puts this weird little phrase in there. He says, rather in the body, I do not know, or rather out of the body, I do not know. But God knows. Something happened with Paul, and he's still not sure what transpired. Could Paul have been, in essence, almost in the same way that Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration? Uh, could something have happened, again, that the Lord uh, in his physical body transformed him to be able to take him? Because Paul says such a one was caught up to the third heavens. Now, you need to understand in the Jewish understanding what the third heavens are. The first heaven is the air that we breathe, our atmosphere, okay? So just where we're at, the, 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 the clouds, the things that we see. The second heaven is going out into outer space, the, the planets and the stars that we see. That's the second heaven. The third heaven is the place where God dwells, okay? So he says, I was brought to that place where God dwells, that third heaven. And I know such a man Again, he, he comes to this thing, uh, again, rather in the body or out of the body, I, I don't know. This thing apparently for, for Paul was blowing his mind. He, he really didn't know how he experienced it, but he knew that he experienced it. And he says he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, Paul wasn't allowed to utter them, but John was told to write these things. I believe the same event happened. Again, had to be an absolutely amazing experience. It happened also to Isaiah. It happened to Ezekiel. Uh, Daniel was given, again, words that he wasn't allowed to share. To be translated into the heavens. What, 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 what an experience. You know, to, be, to, to speak, or we speak, about experiencing heaven on earth, don't we? Oh, boy, that was just like heaven on earth. Well, let me tell you something. I don't believe it's ever going to be compared to experiencing heaven in heaven. 
when it's the real deal. Not just a vision, not just a dream, but it's the real deal. John tells us, once he's there, he says, Behold, a throne is set in heaven, and one sat on that throne. Great thing about that, gang, is that throne's not empty. There is one. And John doesn't say, and someone sat on that throne. No. He says, one sat on that throne. It was a designated, it was a reserved seat. It was a seat of authority for the one that sat on it. And we see through his description, but also uh, by way of those that are worshiping him that we're going to read a little bit later in this uh, 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 chapter. The one who sits on the throne is the Lord God Almighty. We see it very clearly in verse 8 where he says, The four living creatures, uh, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. They do not rest day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. Ray Stedman writes about this, and I love Ray Stedman's studies. He's He's there today, so he could give us, you know, the, the, the actual view today. But uh, uh, before then, he wrote in, in his commentaries on, on Revelation, he says, the first thing that John saw was a throne. Isn't that amazing? You get into heaven and you think, oh, man, the glory and the splendor of heaven. The very first thing that caught his attention was the throne. And that throne is the central theme of the book of Revelation. There's only five chapters in all the book of Revelation where the throne is not found. It is very important and impressive to remember, Stedman writes, that despite all that takes place on the earth through these prophecies, all the events we read of today in newspapers and we see on televisions, as exciting or saddening as these things are, they all somehow relate to that central throne from which God rules his universe. We must never forget that behind all human events is the government of God, the government of God. Above all things, we go into heaven and think, oh, you know, I want to see Aunt Martha. I want to, I want to see uh, so-and-so. I want to see so-and-so. Well, the first thing we're going to see, the first thing that's going to catch our eyes is that throne because that throne is the center of all authority. We're going to read a little bit later that someone comes from out of that throne, a lamb looking at though it's been slain, the Lord Jesus coming from out of that throne. Again, speaks even of the deity of Christ, even in that. The throne is God Almighty, and out comes from that throne is Jesus himself. We'll get into that when we get into chapter 5. This throne, again, speaks of power, speaks of majesty, speaks of authority, speaks of rule, speaks of the reality of the sovereignty of God. And for you and I, we go through stuff in our life, and man, we get overwhelmed. Amen? Amen. We do. You know, uh, sometimes we can, okay, we come to our senses and we say, Lord, okay, don't let me get overwhelmed with this. I want to surrender this. But a lot of times stuff just hits us, and we, 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 we're having to deal with the The biggest thing that can help us in dealing with stuff that overwhelms us, that we have absolutely no control of, is to know that there is one who does have control. And he remains in control. And he is the one, again, who is, is, is in charge over all of his creation. 
And beloved, we can stand firm and fast, even though I don't have an answer for today. I don't have an answer to the situation I'm going through right now. The overall reality of my faith and my trust is that God does. God knows exactly what's going on. And all these, all these bumps and lumps and all these scratches and cuts and all these wounds and all of these hurts and all of these failures and all of these heartbreaks and all of these things that are going on in my life that we don't understand right now. He is on the throne. He's reigning and ruling. And the question for you and I is, since there can only be one on that throne, who's on the throne of your life? In your own life, in, in, in the own choices and decisions and plans of your life, the future of your life, is it what pleases me? Or Lord, I don't want to sit on that throne. I, I don't want to. And when I get on there, Lord, just remove me. Just gently take me off. Hopefully, gently take me off. And if I'm not willing to take me off, take me off one way or another so that you can be in control of my life. Let's just be flat-out honest with each other. It's too easy for us to get back up on that throne, isn't it? It's too easy for us to get back in there and to take control of our lives. So sometimes it's a daily issue. It's sometimes moment-by-moment issue. (sighs) That's what I want to do, but that's probably not what you want me to do. Take me off that throne. Lord, that you would reign and rule. See, there's one throne in the heavens, but that also translates into our own life, into the leading of our own life. He's going to go on in a minute, and he's going to describe just the beauty and the splendor of all that he sees. He says in verse 3, He who sat there, he was, and then he uses that word, like. So in other words, he wasn't a jasper, but he was like a jasper. He was like a sardis stone in appearance. But there was a rainbow. So this splendor, this beauty of these precious stones that were there. John just, I believe, he, he ran out of words to say, to describe. And so he started saying, man, man it, was like, it was like emeralds. It was like, it was like precious stones there. It was so glorious, so, so splendid as, as I looked at that. Even overwhelming. It was a rainbow around the throne and an appearance like an emerald. Oh, and around this throne, there were 24 thrones. And on the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting. And each one of those are clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Now, 24 elders. Who's the 24 elders? Well, you got the 12 from the tribes of Israel, and you've got the 12s from the church, the, the apostles. That's these 24 elders. That's who it stands for. That's the significance of these here. He goes on, to, and we're going we're gonna to be reading those all throughout Revelation. We're going to be seeing them, and again, uh, their impact and their work within all of these things. He says, from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Let me ask you, do you remember Mount Sinai? Remember when God spoke, and man, there was lightnings and thunders and, and the loudness of it all. And the people said, uh, hey, Moses, why don't you go up there? You give us a message. If you survive, you can come down and tell us. But we're not going to go near there because we'll die. 
Well, again, here it is here. But I think John now is he's experiencing this thing, not in fear, but just in the majesty, just the awesomeness of it all, the awfulness of it all. Not awful in a bad way, but just full of awe as he's looking at these things. Seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. And then here it is, which are the seven spirits of God. So we don't have to worry about that. The seven spirits of God. Well, what do you mean the seven spirits of God? We see this all throughout, again, Revelation. Again, it's just the the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. We're going to... I'm going to stop right there because as we go on, it gets into the the worship time of the elders. And I want to spend some time as we go on looking at these creatures and speaking about those. And I, I don't want to rush through those tonight. So we're going to we're going to stop right here at the end of uh, verse five. I know that there's a movie out right now. Uh, Heaven is for real. I have not seen it. Uh, I really withhold uh, pretty much my. Uh, uh, comment on it. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, I've heard some other people saying other things about it. I have, at this point in time, absolutely no comment because I haven't really seen it. But I guarantee you, when we get to heaven, splendor and the majesty and all that we see are just going to be so overwhelming, just so overwhelming. I take great care in trying to share with people who have lost loved ones particularly spouses. I can't wait to get, you know, my wife is in heaven. She's waiting for me. No, she's not. I mean, in one way she is, but you got to understand. She is with the Lord. She is with the Lord. The relationship that we have, and I don't care how sweet the relationship it was with your child, with your parent, or whatever it is, it ain't nothing like what's going to be there. And I've shared with you guys before, and it's kind of a weird thought to me, but in heaven, I'm going to love Robert just as much as I love, more than I love my wife here on earth. Now that's weird, okay? But the fact is, is that it's going to be a perfect love, isn't it? There's not going to be any kind of restraint. Any not, in, there's not going to be anything at that point in time. The love that we experience well, Jesus himself says, well, there's neither marrying nor giving in marriage in heaven. And so, again, it, it becomes that thing of when we get there, that throne is going to be the focus. Jesus coming from that throne is going to be the focus. Our delight, and, and we're going to read this all through there, is just going to be worshiping him. Does that mean that we're going to be going around on clouds playing harps? No, I don't see that anywhere in here. Okay. <laughs> Makes great Hollywood, I guess. What is heaven going to be like for us? I don't know. Other than I know this. Just the splendor and the majesty and the, just the, just the overwhelmingness of it all. We have to be translated. We have to be changed. I think because it would simply blow these old carcasses up. I, I don't think we could hold all that's going to be revealed to us up there at that point in time. There's coming that day when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. And the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore. And when that roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. 
I hope and pray you will be too. Thanks for spending your time with us today on The Open Word. If you were encouraged by this time together, learning more about Jesus and want to hear more, we'd invite you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, where you can get notified of the latest message as soon as it's available, or find archive messages you may have missed. You can even find these teachings online at theopenword.com. There you can learn all about The Open Word and the ministry we're blessed to be a part of. In fact, Pastor David has a special message for you about how you too can be involved in sharing the good news through the open word. There really is something deeply refreshing about being a part of God's kingdom. Not only do I get to learn more about him every time I open the Bible, but he's given me the great privilege of sharing his love with you. This radio ministry and others like it, they're a wonderful and powerful way that God is reaching people across the nation and well, across the world with the gospel. We're blessed to be a part of it. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. Would you prayerfully consider being a part of our financial support here at The Open Word? If you feel led to give, visit theopenword.com and click on the support option. That'll bring you to our secure giving page. Your gift will help us to continue to grow and spread the word of God. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord. Thanks, Pastor David. As our time with you draws to a close, know that we continue to pray for you and for more and more people to come to know Jesus through this ministry. Join us next time to continue studying Revelation right here on The Open Word.